I, I shared this, uh, I, I spoke last night at a, a service in Viper, Kentucky, and, um, you know, this is, this is the revelation. Um, you know, here at this church, we talk a lot about grace and, you know, thank God for grace. But when I really think about it, the, the revelation that really changed my life, the understanding that changed my life was the fact that the truth that I'm made righteous by my faith, right? By my faith in what Jesus has done. And... Like I said, we, we tend to really emphasize grace, but we're going to get on that in a minute. But I, this is the message that just burns in my heart, that we have been made righteous in Him. Um, and, and, you know, last night when I was sharing it at this church, uh, I, I just I, I apologized to the pastor after. I said, I felt like all I did was just stand up behind your pulpit and just read the Bible with very little commentary. I just felt like I was just reading the Bible. And the reason that is, is because with this truth of faith righteousness, for me, it's one of those things that it's so clear that it, it blows my mind that I missed it for so long and that people miss it for so long because this is the subject of the New Testament. The subject of the New Testament isn't grace, it's actually faith righteousness. And when we believe that we've been made right by faith, grace flows. All right? Um, but let's just get into this. I, and I just say that because there's sometimes you're, you're probably going to think during this message, well, all you're doing is reading the Bible. Yeah, and I, I suggest you take these verses, take them home, and read them over and over and over. Um, let's go to Romans chapter 1, verse 15. And here's why. So I didn't give this verse, but really quick. Hop up to verse 7. You don't have to go there, Bambi, but just hop up to verse 7 real quick because I want to give you some context. To, so here's who Paul is writing this letter to. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Now, the words, the words to be are italicized, which means they're not in the original language. He's actually saying to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called saints. Who is that? The believers. He's talking to the church at Rome and what he would say to one believer, he would say to all. So he's speaking to us as believers. And here's why I'm saying this, now down to verse 15. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to who? To you. Who's you? The Christians. The believers. And I say that because, you know, the idea I used to have was the ones who need the gospel are the unbelievers those that are lost. But here's Paul is saying, he's like, listen, with everything in me, I'm ready to come to you, the church, you, the believers, and I am ready to preach the gospel to you. You never grow beyond the place of not needing to hear the gospel. Martin Luther said something along the lines of, I need to hear the gospel every day because I forget it every day. Right? This world, is tail it tailors to us this idea that we earn and we work for what we get. And there is an element of truth to this, to this world system, but it's not the way the kingdom works. All right? Um, and let's read verse 16. Now listen here, this is interesting. Notice the wordings. I, we, we, get, we need to read slow. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now again, who's he talking to? Believers. So 
what a strange thing to say. I'm not afraid or not ashamed to preach the gospel to you. What a strange thing to say. And you know why Paul is saying that? The world will never persecute you for saying you're made right by faith. But this is the one message. Listen, I'm passionate about healing. I'm passionate about God's provision. I'm passionate about these things. But you know the message that will tick people off at me the most is this message of faith righteousness. Because here's the reason why. Every person in here, whether you want to admit it or not, you hate being told what to do. And if you say you don't, spend a day with my little three-year-old Finn, and I promise by the end of the day, you're going to think, I hate being told what to do. Because, listen, he's going to tell you what to do. Right? Uh, that's how kids operate. Um, but you know what you, being, what you hate being, what you hate more than being told uh, what to do, is being told there's nothing that you can do. You hate that. I hate that more than anything. If you've ever been in a situation where maybe doctors, there's nothing else we can do. You hate that. Right? We hate being told there's nothing that we can do. And in, in, in the spiritual sense, man, it just makes us mad to think that there's nothing that, that we can do to add to our righteousness. All right, um, but here's the next thing I want to bring out. He says, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that does what? Believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek or to the Gentile. Now here's the next question I, we need to ask is, what is the gospel? Now this is, I know, this is the most... This message is so basic. This teaching is so basic. But every time I hear it, I realize how little I know of it. All right? He said that, he, he said that, the, that the gospel of Christ is the power of God. The power of God is not... Now, even though the laying on of hands can be a conduit or a conduit of the power of God, it's not the power of God. The power of God is the gospel of of Christ. Now, think about this. What is the gospel? For years, if you would have asked me 10 years ago, what is the gospel? I would have held this book up to you and said, here's the gospel. The gospel is in this book. And now, I believe in the inspiration, the, the without errors, you know, I believe this book so much that if you go to the maps and try to argue with me that those maps aren't right, I'll fight you over. Right, like that's um, that's a little humor, but I'm just saying I fully believe in the inspiration of this book. I believe this book from Genesis one to Revelation twenty two and everything in between is the breath of God. God breathed. God gave it to us. It's His word. But how many knows that there's some stuff in here that's not gospel? Yeah. All right, um, we believe in the Trinity, but you know the Trinity is not the gospel. Truth, but not the gospel. We believe in the return of Jesus. Truth, but not the gospel. We believe in, in the need for repentance, but it's not the gospel. We believe that one needs to have a fellowship with the Lord, but it's not the gospel. So what is the gospel? And that term gospel means good news. 
And Paul is saying here that this good news, the power that is in this good news is released into your life the moment you believe it. Think about the power of the gospel. You are born into sin with a, with a nature of the enemy and just by you placing your faith in, in the gospel, your eternal destination is forever changed. Your nature is made brand new. That's why before you were born again, sin didn't bother you. After you're born again, all of a sudden, sin isn't so fun. The power that is in the gospel. But what is the gospel? We just use the term good news. It is good news. But scholars say that when you look at the Greek word outside of the Bible, anytime it's used, it is used in the sense of this good news is so good that it's hard to believe. This good news is so good that it's nearly too good to be true. So what is the gospel? Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 1. What is the gospel? We're not asking what is truth. We're asking what is the gospel. Moreover, brethren, brethren. So who's he talking to? Brethren. He's talking to believers, right? Just like in, in Romans. I declare unto you what? The gospel which I preached unto you. So this same gospel that he told those in Rome, I am ready to preach this to you. Here he is to the church at Corinth saying, listen, you know the gospel that I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand. Notice that this gospel isn't just how you're saved, it's how you stand. For too many too much of the church, we look at the gospel is it's something we receive, but it's not how we stand. We look at the gospel as, all right, Jesus, you get me saved, I've got it from here. That's a stupid game that we lose every single time. All right? So he said this, by believing this gospel, you receive it, and this is how you stand, by which also you are saved if you keep in memory. This is our challenge. You need to keep this in your memory. It should constantly be your confession. It should constantly be your meditation. This. If we would get this in our memory instead of all the stuff that's happened to us. Man, listen, today, uh, today is, is our son Jordy's birthday. Jordy's in heaven. But you know what? I don't keep in memory a loss. I keep in memory the gospel. Right? That's what is in my memory. That's what is in my heart. For if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain, for I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. So he's about to tell us what the gospel is that he received. How that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. And listen, Logan's real good with apologetics. I want to tell you something. 1 Corinthians 15, If you, just, you can go ahead and read like the next few verses. If you ever doubt that the resurrection of Christ is a fact, read this chapter. 
Because here is Paul saying, listen, there were 500 people who seen him at one time. Most of them are alive to this day. So Paul was saying, there's 500 people you can find. They said, yes, we've seen that man. All right, now that's another subject for another day. Logan's much better at apologetics than I am. It's not my thing. But listen, I'm just telling you. Here's what Paul's saying. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ is the gospel. Did you know the gospel is not believe in Jesus? The gospel is not believe in a man who lived in the Middle East 2,000 years ago, put your faith in him, and you're saved. That, that's not the gospel. The gospel is believe the man that lived in the Middle East 2,000 years ago died, was buried, and three days later he was resurrected. That's the gospel. There is no gospel without the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. That's the gospel. All right? So, and, and look what he, he was so passionate about this. He said, Listen, I've got names. You come to me, I can give you a list of about 500 people that can tell you this happened. And if you'll believe it, it'll release the power of God into your life. It'll change your nature. It'll change your eternal destination. It will change you. This is the gospel. Jesus died, he was buried, and he resurrected. Here's the thing. Like, you can feel it. When you start just talking about people listening, the gospel is Jesus died, buried, rose again. People say, yeah, I know that. I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian, you know, all these years. I know that. No, listen. If this doesn't excite you, you do not understand the gospel. We serve a man, God in the flesh, who died. He died. God died, was buried, and this man three days later got up. That's the gospel. If that doesn't excite us, man, we're missing it. He got out of the grave. And there is a man. There is a man in a body like you and I at the right hand of the Father today. Elijah didn't see death. Enoch didn't see death. This man not only seen death, but he overcame death. Because it was impossible that death should hold him down. If Elijah would have died, guess what? He'd still be dead. If Enoch would have died, he'd still be dead. But this man died, and death couldn't even hold him for three days. This is the gospel. And this is what we are called to put our faith in. Now go back to Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. For I am not ashamed to preach, let's put it this way, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For, now, and let me also say this. Um, the gospel is so simple that all, all it invites us to do is just believe. And... This is where a lot of people come in and they say, now listen, you've got to believe this with your heart, not your head. And I agree with that, but let me say this. I don't think there are very many people who will with their head say, there was a man who was God, who died and was buried, and three days later rose from the grave. I believe the very fact that that will even come out of your mouth 
has to be an inspiration of the Spirit of God. I truly believe that. Um, that's free. Uh, for therein. All right, so look at these next two words. For therein. So he's about to tell us what makes this gospel, this news about this man who died, was buried, and, and rose from the dead. He's going to tell us what makes this so powerful. For therein. Now I want you to notice what he says. He doesn't say for therein is grace revealed. Grace isn't what makes the gospel so powerful. Now I know that's kind of like, that's hard for us to take because you know a lot of us were, we were under legalism for so long and then the grace of God changed our lives. But what makes the gospel powerful isn't grace. What makes the gospel powerful is therein is the righteousness of of God revealed from faith to faith. Now that's just an old English way of saying this thing starts by faith and this thing ends by faith. And everything in between, you know what it is? Faith. But we think it starts by faith and then everything until we meet Jesus is works. Every time, everything until we meet Jesus is obedience. And Paul says, no, it starts by faith and it ends by faith. The, the common way we would say this now is the righteousness of God is revealed by faith alone. That's the way we would say it. By faith alone. And then he says this, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. But now listen, listen to me. It's not just faith. It's not just this idea that we've had for years of if I just put my faith in the promises, if I just put my faith in the book, I believe in all that. But we're talking about faith in something specific. Faith that God came in the flesh, died, was buried, three days later got up and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. That is what we put our faith in. That. And we're going to get in a little bit how if you... If you struggle this morning, if you struggle to believe God for anything, it's because you're struggling first and foremost to believe this. To believe, let's, what is righteousness? There's a lot of things we could say, but I just want to put it so simple this morning that you would have to have a concussion to misunderstand it. Righteousness, simply put, is you being right with God. You and God... This is, the way we, this is the way I say it. You and God are good. You ever had a problem with somebody and you have to talk it out? Then what? We're good. So you and God, you're good. When you put your faith in the death, the burial, and the resurrection, as far as God is concerned, other people may disagree. There may be times you disagree. But in His sight, we're going to see that over and over here today, you're good. All right? We are made right with God by putting our faith in this event, these three days that changed the world. Look with me at um, look with me at, at Rome, we'll go to Romans 10. Go with me to Romans 10. And just so you know, if you want some, I'm going to give you like three things of homework today, so good for you. You're back in school. Uh, but Read the book of Romans this week. This is the subject of the book of Romans. It, it's, it's chapters 1 through 8 are all about this subject. 
You're made righteous by faith. You're, you've received a new nature by faith. Then he puts this little parentheses in and he talks about, you know, hey, here's, here's like the plan of God for Israel and the Gentiles. And then he goes back to, to chapter 12. It's like, all right, now this is how that righteousness should look as you walk it out. All right? Um, but so I recommend you, you read the book of Romans this week if you get the chance. Uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Now, look here. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. When he says not according to knowledge, he doesn't mean they're dumb and ignorant. Because how many know the Pharisees knew Genesis through Malachi better than anyone? But they had the wrong knowledge. Right, that they had. Peter said that he was he was going to us. He wanted to make sure that we are established in the present truth. Now, here's the way my brain works. All right, he said present truth. What's that mean? There's a past truth. So Israel here, they're they're established in the past truth, but not the present truth. That's what he's talking about with knowledge. So verse three, for they being ignorant. So remember in Romans one. Here's why we're here in Romans ten. In Romans 1, he said, For therein is the righteousness of God is revealed. What is the righteousness of God? Now, because that sounds, in the Old English, that sounds like it's an attribute of God. And God is righteous. God is holy. God is just. Those are attributes. But that's not what he's referring to here. He's referring to a specific kind of righteousness or a specific way to be made right with God. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish, look here, their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So notice, the righteousness of God is something you have to submit yourself to. It's not something you can earn. It's not something you can work for. It's not something you can make an offering big enough for. It's not something you can have a good, good enough church attendance for. It's not something that you can worship for. It's something that you have to submit yourself to. Why do you have to submit yourself to it? Because you know what God says? There's nothing you can do. So you might as well believe me. All right? Look here, verse 4. This is so powerful. For Christ is the end of the law. Now hear me, grace people. I'm about to issue a correction. There is not a period here. It does not say for Christ is the end of the law, period. Christ is not the end of the law. But He is the end of the law for righteousness. And only for a specific group of people. To everyone that believes. So, the, the, hold on, I'm getting there, Hannah. Hold on, I'm just thinking about how to get there. No, no, that's good. That's where I'm going next. Um, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. The law is still good. The, the commandment is holy, just, and good. Go with me to, De- we're going to come back to Romans 10. Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. In verse 24, Paul said the law is good if a man use it lawfully. All right? Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 24. So in Romans 10, what Paul is basically telling us is there are two kinds of righteousness. 
you're either trying to be made right with God by faith or you're trying to be, be made right with God by what you do. All right, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 24. And the Lord commanded us to do, what's that word? All. Not some, all. These statutes to fear the Lord our God. Now listen to these, these next four words. For our good always. Listen, the law, the commandments are still for your good. And, and this is where a lot of people struggle when, when they come into grace. They struggle with, okay, yeah, but what about this part of the book? Listen, every commandment that God has ever given has always been for His people's good. If, and, and I understand, listen, we're not saved by the Ten Commandments. I know, but I promise you, if you go out and break those Ten Commandments, your life is going to be hell on earth. It's still for your good but it's not for your righteousness. So, will the Ten Commandments make your life better? You better believe it. Can the Ten Commandments make you righteous? Absolutely not. No. See, the cross puts us all on even ground. See, if we're going by the commandments, there's a day you might be more obedient than I am. And then tomorrow, I might be more obedient than you are. But when we're putting our faith in that one thing, that one event, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ, we're all on even ground. Right? So, so look here. For our good always, that He might preserve us alive as it is this day. Now, look here, but this is how things worked under the law. And it, what is it? If we'll obey all these commandments... It shall be our righteousness if we observe to do, what's that word? All these commandments before the Lord our God as He hath commanded us. So under the law, there was that element of you do all these things, that's what makes you righteous. That's how the old covenant worked. But under this new covenant... You can never, ever, ever point to what you do and say, this is why I'm righteous. If you do, you are a hypocrite. You, because listen, here's what we do. We treat, now I know, you know, I know that the teaching is, hey, there were 613 commandments under the law. Listen, I, I know that, but really, even the, there was really 10 commandments under the law. The ten, there's really only Ten Commandments under the law, and those other 603 were kind of just, just application of those ten. They all fall under that category of those ten. So, if, if, so those, those Ten Commandments, we treat them like a salad bar. Like every Christian here this morning, you already are breaking one. You already don't believe Saturday's the Sabbath. So you are, well, what about the nine? Well... I'm sorry, 9 out of 10 won't do under the law. That's not the way it works under the law. You have to have a perfect score. You have to be able to say, here's the 10, green check, green check, green check, till you get down to all 10, now I'm righteous. And you can't. Paul thought he was doing good. He said, then I read the law, thou shalt not covet, and I realized I wasn't doing so good. Verse 5, back in Romans chapter 10. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is the law. I am doing my best not to get ahead of myself. This burns in my heart. 
For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, look here, that the man which does those things shall live by them. In other words, if you're going to, here's how the righteousness of the law works. You, you say that, you, that you're going to live by these things, then do it. The law of Moses is do it. Verse 6, but the righteousness which is of faith, it does what? It speaks. Because what's faith do? Faith confesses. Faith speaks. And I'm not talking, you know, I'm, I, I believe in making a confession of the Word and stuff, but I'm not talking like a word of faith teaching here. I'm saying, listen, what, what's Paul say here in a little bit? Well, let's just read on. We'll find out. That's a, there's a start. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in your heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up again from the dead. But what says it? The word is not near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Now listen, he, I am so thankful for word of faith teaching and what it's done in my life and the impact it's had in my life. But really what Paul is talking about here is not what we know today as the word of faith. What's the context? Going back to Romans chapter 9, verse 30, and then what we've read in Romans 10, what's the context? Righteousness. So the faith that he's, the word of faith that we preach is the word of faith, righteousness. The word that we preach is not a word that says, all right, confess it, confess it, confess it, confess it, confess it, and you'll have it. Listen, is there a place for that? Yeah, believe God, confess the truth. But the word that Paul is saying he was called to preach was not Mark eleven twenty three. 23. The word he was called to preach was the word that you have been made right with God by believing and putting your trust in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. That is the word of faith we preach. That is the word of faith we preach. I've given you guys this homework before, but in case someone was here and didn't hear me say it, I highly recommend you go through the epistles. Here's your second homework assignment. Go through the epistles. Anywhere you see faith, put righteousness after it. Anywhere you see righteousness, put faith before it. And I tell you what, it'll make more sense. Because this is primarily when Paul, especially Paul, when he talks about faith, this is primarily what he's talking about. Faith righteousness. I'm made right with God by faith. And I can sense it, whether it's in here, on the internet, there's someone saying, yeah, but even the devils believe and tremble. We're going there. Right? We're going there. I'm going to prove to you this morning, faith is enough. Now, faith is enough if you're facing the right thing. The death the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. But look here, verse 9, that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man does what? He believes unto righteousness. That's not the way the law works. The law, you have to do unto righteousness. But under the new covenant, you believe unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Do you believe in him? Then you don't ever have to worry about him turning around on you. You don't ever have to worry about God not coming through for you. You don't ever have to worry about standing before God one day and him saying, Sorry. Not you're, you're not you're not in no. If your faith and your trust is in the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus, guess what? You and God, you're good. 
Verse 13, uh, verse 12. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. This is important because that wasn't the case under the law. The Jewish, the Jewish people were the chosen people of God. That They had the covenant. They had the promises. But this new covenant is Jew and Gentile alike. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that obey Him. That's not what it says. The same Lord is rich over all that call upon Him. And, I'm, and, and listen, we're not saying that you can just do whatever you want to because listen, when you've got a right standing with Him, we're not going to get into this today, but He also gives you a right nature before Him. And it changes what you want to do. Um, verse 14, How then shall they call on Him? in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of what? Of peace. Peace between not man and man, peace between God and man. You're good, right? We're good. Uh, and bring glad tidings of good things. Look here, verse 16, this is important. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. Now we hear that word obey and we immediately think doing, doing. Doing the right thing, not doing the wrong thing. But let's see how we obey the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has done what? Believed our report. So you obey the gospel by believing the gospel. I'm going to tell you as a father, nothing makes me happier than when my children just believe me. That doesn't mean I don't, I don't like when they obey me and do what I ask them to do. But, but again, little three-year-old Finley right now, he's going through that stage where he's like, you know, he'll, he'll say, uh, yeah, uh, Spider-Man's in the living room. And I'm like, no, he's not. Yeah, he is. No, he's not. Yeah, he is. Like, it doesn't matter what you tell him. Or you can have your iPad after church. We're going through that right now. You can't have your iPad at church. You can have it after church. No, I can't. You won't let me have my iPad after church. Yes, I will. No, you won't. Yes, I will. Believe me, son. I promise you, you can have your iPad after church. Right? So it's, there, there's just something special about when children believe their father. If you... Help me, Jesus. All right, let's keep going. Verse 17, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. What's the Word? The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Put your faith in that, and you are made right with God. That is the Word that when we hear it, faith comes. So if you're struggling with faith, Listen, the answer is not, the answer is not as simple as just find you a promise and believe that promise. Eventually get there. But first and foremost, believe I am right with God. We're good. Okay, go with me. Um, Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3 and verse 9. So what then are we, and when he says we, he's speaking of Jews. Are we better than they, speaking of Gentiles? No, in no wise, for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Listen, when I was in the Baptist church, man, this is the verse that we knew. There is none righteous, 
No, not one. But who's Paul speaking of here? Those who are under sin. Those, all he's doing here, he's like, listen, Jews, they had a law, they broke it. They had a law written on stone, broke it. The Gentiles, and this is where people listen. Here's another grace correction. I can't stand when people say, well, you know, the law was never for a Gentile. So blah, blah. Listen, Paul comes along and says, listen, the same law that was written on stone to Israel was in the heart of every Gentile. So yeah, Israel had it on stone, but you had it in your heart. Right? So it doesn't matter if you had it on stone, you still broke it. So here's summary. We all need Jesus. We all need a Savior. None of us can be righteous by what we do. That's what he's saying here. For there is none that understands, there is none that seeks after God. They are all gone out of the way, they are together become unprofitable. There is none that does good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher, with their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, destruction and misery in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now let me ask you that. How can that person, those people, ever say, I'm right with God by what I do? You can't. We all miss it somewhere. Verse 19. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law. Now that's, that's what people throw at. See right there, the law's talking to the Jews. But look here what Paul says. That every mouth may be stopped, and who? All the world may become guilty before God. Now I'm not saying this is true, this isn't biblical, but I hear it, I've heard it from a teacher that I trust. He says that Jewish sources say that the moment God's mouth spoke the Ten Commandments from Mount Sinai, that it, was, that it entered into the heart of every human being. Now I don't know if that's true, that's just a Jewish story. But it doesn't matter, at the end of the day, it's just, listen, we, we all need Jesus. Right? We're all, in ourselves, we all stand before God and the verdict is guilty. But look here, verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Now, listen to me. You still, I know it sounds, grace people, I know it sounds really good to say we don't need a knowledge of sin. You are, oh, help me, you... You're stupid. You're stupid if you think that. I'll just say it. You're stupid if you think that you don't need to know what sin is. Yeah, I am. I've been hanging around Logan too much. Listen, it, now I'm the bad cop and he's the good cop. But by law is the knowledge of sin. We still need to know what sin is. You know what sin is. Sin isn't God saying they'd have too much of a good time doing that. That's sin. Sin is anything that God looked at before the foundation of the world and said that will wreck someone's life. That will destroy their life. That's sin. Everything that God calls sin, pay attention because if, you, if, you, if you'll look at it, the results of doing that thing is death. Havoc. It's, there's still a great purpose for the law. It still shows us what is right. It still shows us what is wrong. Are there some things... It, let's not just assume everyone's dumb and can't understand, okay, yeah, shrimp, yeah, that was a culture thing. Animal sacrifices, yeah, we don't do that. But listen, there's some things that just reveal the morals in the heart of God, right? But let's read on here, um, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. Now here's an interesting phrase. 
being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Now, here's the question I had when I read that. When did the law and the prophets witness of faith righteousness? Go with me to Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. We'll be back in Romans 3 here in a minute. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? Listen, the book of Romans and Galatians are all about these two points, this one point. You are made righteous by putting your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And Paul pulls no punches from the idea that we start out right with God by placing our faith in the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, but that we, we finish this thing up with our works. Because listen, there is not a Christian in the world who will disagree with this statement. You are saved by grace through faith. Not a Christian in the world would disagree with that. But you know where they will disagree with me? And you remain saved by grace through faith. But Paul said in Colossians 2, 6, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus, so walk you in Him. How did I receive Him? By grace through faith. You want me to put this real practical to you? You do have a job. Look at Jesus. Keep it in memory. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians. If you keep it in memory, stir it up. This morning what I'm doing is I'm trying to stir this up in your heart. This is, this is the gospel. Um, who have bewitched you? So he's saying this idea that you can get saved by grace through faith, but yet somehow you got to maintain the good works and earn the, the, you know, the place in heaven. He says that is as good as witchcraft. And remember, there's another verse in the Old Testament that says rebellion is as witchcraft. So if you believe that someone gets saved by grace through faith, but then they have to stay obedient, they have to perform good enough works to one day finally enter into the kingdom of the Lord, then guess what? You're in New Testament rebellion. You are a New Testament witch. Paul pulls no punches. That you should not obey the truth. Remember, how do we obey the truth? You believe it. before. And remember, whatever you believe, it'll get your performance. But, even when you're, but your performance is always wishy-washy. This morning, listen, this morning, my wife will tell you, I got something came up on my Facebook and it ticked me off. It made me mad. I was getting this teaching together and it made me mad. Performance is wishy-washy. And I had to remind myself, no, I'm right with God by putting my faith in the gospel. Right? Our, so, our, 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 man, if we ever put our, our faith in our performance, life for me before I got this truth was a roller coaster. My spiritual walk was a roller coaster. My relationship with God every week was based on how good did I do on Sunday. How good, how good did I preach on Sunday? How many people came to the altar when I was done preaching on Sunday? How, how good did I treat people uh, you know, the rest of the week? How much did I pray? How much of my Bible did I read? It was a roller coaster. But when I received this, I got off the roller coaster. Before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth crucified among you, this only would I learn of you. So listen to what he says here. This is all I need to know. 
Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Did you get, here's what he's saying. Did you get saved by faith or did you get saved by obeying commandments? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? Uh, let's jump down to uh, let's jump down to verse 8. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee all nations shall be blessed. Jump down to verse 11. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. I was sharing this with my wife last night. I love this verse because I think Paul's got some humor with it. That no flesh, that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. Here's the way we would say this. It's pretty obvious that no one can be justified by the law in the sight of God. And here's why. Thank God, you know, I'm so thankful for my upbringing and my culture that I grew up in and things. But listen, the, the churches that I, that I was involved in, not all churches were like this, but the churches that I would go around in that were, were, had a really heavy emphasis on sin. To this day, those were the churches where I dealt with the most sin. When I was a part of it, I myself gave in to the most sin. It's obvious that we can't, that no man can be made right by the works of the law. Why? Because Paul would say, listen, the, the law entered that sin may abound. Right? The, the, there's, it just works that way. It's like, you know, we've done this illustration here, all of us, you know, any of us ministers have. Listen, don't think of a purple dinosaur. Don't think of a purple dinosaur. Don't, Barney is dancing in everybody's head in here when I say that. But when I but if I start just talking about something else and describing something else, you forget about Barney. Right? So we don't direct people's attention to sin, we direct their attention to I, that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So but now how how did the, how is it witnessed by the law and the prophets? Um Look here, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Do you realize this is, this is a verse in the Old Testament, the just shall live by faith. And that is the verse that Paul quotes more than any other verse. This was his life verse. I live by faith. And here's the thing, guys. The, the, it's, it's, we see it in the law really heavy with two men, Abraham and David. And I could read the Scriptures to you. Go read. You can read all of Galatians 3, and you can read Romans 4. These are the two uh, examples that are used. David and Abraham. Abraham, see, the, the Jew at the time loved to say, you have to be circumcised, you have to be circumcised, you have to be circumcised, right? But Paul comes along and he says, well, was Abraham declared righteous before God before he was circumcised or after he was circumcised? Go read Genesis 15 through 17. Abraham was declared righteous before God before he was circumcised. So here's how this applies to us today. Was you made right with God before you obeyed Him or after you obeyed Him? Every one of us has to say in here, there was a moment that all I did was put my faith in Him. And when I put my faith in Him, that's when I was declared righteous before God. Right, And then David, here's the one, I look, and here's what I'm getting at. The law of faith has always been greater than the law of works. 
So even under the Mosaic law, if someone would relate to God by faith, he related to them by their faith. Even though they were breaking the commandments, even though they were disobeying, he still related to them by faith. What, give me an example. David. David committed adultery with a married woman and he had the husband killed, which is murder. All right? Under, and here's what, you know, and then God would come along and say, David is a man after my own heart. And I used to preach, and I've heard people preach, preach it. Yeah, he was a man after his own heart because he was quick to repent. Doesn't work that way under the law. You can read it. I wrote it down. We're not going to go there. But Exodus 21, 12 through 14, it, gives the, it tells about a man who murders under the law. It says, listen, if you find him at mine altar, take him from mine altar and do what? Put him to death. Mine altar, you know what that symbolizes? Repentance. But under the law, listen, there was no wiggle room. There was no way. You repented, you're good. It's, it doesn't work that way. But you know, it's not that the repentance was a bad thing, but you know why David was repenting? Because first and foremost, he was relating to God by faith. You see it over and over again in the Psalms. You, you see it in, in, in First and Second Samuel. So anywhere that anyone has ever related to God by faith, that's what he has been pleased with. There's never been anyone, Old Testament, New Testament, who God has been pleased with because they obeyed Him enough. Without faith, it is what? Impossible. See, we read the Old Testament as grace people and we say, look at all them people. All them people just being made right with, trying to be made right with God by works. Listen, when the author of Hebrews read the Old Testament, you know what he's seen? Faith, 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 faith. That person, faith. That guy, faith. That girl, faith. Faith. It's always been what God is looking for. All right, go with me to James chapter 2. I want to cover this, James chapter 2, because I can just hear it that there's somebody that's saying, yeah, but what about this verse? James 2, 24. This is James speaking, not Paul. He says, you see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Now, righteousness is being made right with God justified is the legal term for you're declared righteous before God. So justified is like that's the moment the verdict comes down. All right? And Romans 5.1 says, Therefore being justified with God by faith. All right? So we're declared righteous by faith. But James here says, You see how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Man, when I preach this, when I go to other churches and I preach this so many times, this is what people come at me with. Yeah, but right there. And I, just so you know, this is something I hate. This is one of my pet peeves. When I give you like 50 scriptures, and you come up to me with that one, and act like that one outdoes all the 50 that I just gave you. <laughs> Listen to me. Don't let one verse throw you off of the truth that is evident and obvious in the rest of the book. Right? And, and so, but there is an answer here. There is an answer here. But to get it, we have to get context. One of the best things you can do in the Bible is you need to know who is being written to. James chapter 1, verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now look here who he's writing to. To the twelve tribes 
which are scattered abroad. Logan, who is that? It's the Jews. Israel. So he's speaking to Jews here. So James's letter is written to Jews. With that in mind, that can completely change how you read chapter 2. Let me give you an ex- let me show you what I'm talking about. So with that in mind, so think about this. Paul all through his epistles, he's addressing Jews and you know what he does? Listen, the law says that you have to obey all the commandments. And if you don't obey all the commandments, you better you better find something better to put your trust in. I'm arguing with you this morning that that's the exact same thing James is doing. If you understand chapter 1, verse 1, who he's writing to. So get it off of that James is arguing with the church and realize that James is talking to Jews. James chapter 2, verse 1. We're going to fly through here for time. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment. See, because let, and let me say this background real quick. I'm not saying these were unbelieving Jews, but the struggle that the Jews had in these times were, they, you can read about it in Acts 15. They wanted to put their faith in Jesus, but they wanted to stay saved by keeping the law of Moses. Verse 3, and you have respect to him that wears uh, the gay clothing or the nice clothing, and say unto him, sit you here in a good place, and say to the poor, stand you there, or sit here under my footstool. Are you not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren, has not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to them that love him? But you have despised the poor. One of the most important things in the law of Moses, I'm telling you, you shouldn't hate the law of Moses because the law of Moses was such a beautiful thing when you realize all the other cultures around it. They took care of the poor. That was very important in the law of Moses. Do not rich man oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats. Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which you are called. If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, look here, you shall love your neighbor as yourself you do well. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law, yet does what? Offend in one point, he is what? Guilty of all. So he don't get, don't, but we read the next rest of the chapter as if he never said this. He's saying, listen, you're going around saying you're made right by faith, but you stay right by works, and you mistreat the poor, the very ones that our scriptures tell you, you better treat right. So keep that in mind as we move forward. For he that said, do not commit adultery, said, do not kill. Now, if you commit no adultery, yet if you kill, you are become a transgressor of the law. Why? Got to have a perfect score. So speak you, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty, for he shall have judgment without mercy. That's the law. The law does not give you the wiggle room. That has showed no mercy, and mercy rejoices against judgment. So remember who he's talking to. He's talking to the Jew who's saying, I'm made right with God by faith, but I stay right with God by the law. For what does it profit, my brethren, though a man say yes, faith, and have not works, can faith save him? Now, what is faith? Let's read on here. What, what was faith to the Jew 
isn't necessarily what is faith to you. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto to them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? Here it is. Even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead being alone. So he's saying, listen, you call yourself a Jew, you say you got to live by these commandments, then why don't you do them? Because under the law, the man who does them shall live by them. But what's faith to the Jew? Next verse. Yea, a man says, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Look here, verse 19. Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. I've had this verse thrown in my face so many times I'm sick of it. And it's always used in the way of believing isn't enough. All right, let's go back to the beginning of this teaching. What do you have to believe to be saved? What is it? Death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. That's not what he's saying here that they believe. What do they believe? Thou believest that there is one God. Here's what he's saying. Good start. What is the most important Bible verse to the Jew? Does anyone know? The Lord thy God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. To this day, that is the most important Bible uh, scripture verse to the Jew. That I am that that there is only one God. So what James is here saying, he's like, listen, it's good that you believe in one God. But you need to, just like you put your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus to get saved, you need to keep your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection from here on out. That is the one thing you need to trust in, but you're saying it's by your works, and guess what? Your works aren't cutting it. So go back, do it in your own time, read James 2. See, we read it as he's saying works as this positive thing. No, he's throwing up, you're not doing very good with your works. Now, am I against works? Absolutely not. Right, And I've done whole teachings here. Listen, you, the Bible tells us over and over again, be careful to keep good works. I'm 100% for that. Believe that. We need good works. And there is this element of truth. Yes, we show our faith by our works. Right, Anything you truly believe, it's going to change what you do. If I say there's a fire in that back room and you don't leave, you don't go head for the doors, you didn't believe what I said. Right? So absolutely, I'm not trying to say there's no element of truth here to what James is saying, but doctrinally, this cannot, these scriptures cannot be used to say, well, you know, James thought you was justified by works, Paul said you was justified by faith. No, they're in agreement that we're justified by faith alone. Right? But we've got to keep the audience in, in context here and just... Really quick, guys, I know I've went long, but 2 Corinthians 13.5, I just want to talk about this really quick. I shared with you that faith, that when we talk about faith in the New Testament, it begins first and foremost with believing you have been made right with God by faith. 2 Corinthians 13.5, examine yourselves whether you be in. Now, I want you to notice what this says. This does not say, and this is the way I've always heard people quote it. This does not say, examine yourselves whether you be in faith. 
That's not what it says. It says, examine yourself whether you be in what? The faith. What is the faith? The faith is not your ability to believe God for, for your health. It's not your ability to believe God for a home. It's not your ability to believe God for anything other than the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. It's the one thing that every one of us have in common. Well, how do you know that? Look here. He shows us what the faith is. He doesn't say examine yourselves whether you be in faith. No, no the, verse, the Bible verses you're standing on. That's not what he says. He says, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. How? Know ye not your own selves how that Christ, how Jesus Christ is in you. This is the faith. That you've been made right with God by faith and now Christ is in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Which Paul said, this is the mystery of the gospel that was hid from the foundation of the world. See, the, 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 the Jews, this, the gospel is all through this book. But listen, you have to look really hard to find this idea that one day this church age would come and that even the Jew and Gentile alike would be made right by putting their faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You see it in types, but it's a mystery. It's hid. Right? This is the faith. The faith is faith righteousness. The faith is not the faith that God possesses, not the faith that Jesus possesses. The faith is not just going to church. The faith is not Christianity. The faith is the righteousness which is of faith. It's the one way, it's the one common ground that everyone in here must have this morning. That I'm made right with God by faith. God's righteousness is of faith. Last place, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, because here's what we want to do, guys. We want to be able to apply this to our life. And here it is. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is, cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things did the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. So listen to me. This is what I'm bringing out. This truth of faith righteousness is what I found in my own personal life. If, if you're dealing with anxiety, depression, those things, listen, I've, I've dealt with those things. This truth of faith righteousness is, is the answer to even that. It's the answer to our worry. Right? And, and, and I'm just saying we need to be constantly in memory of this truth because this truth is greater than anything that's ever happened to us. Loss of a child, um, you know, sexual abuse, whatever it is, this truth is greater than what has happened to any of us. This truth is greater than what's going on in the world. This truth is greater than any worry you have up here. It's greater. 
But look here what he says in verse uh, 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. And for years, I would read that at our church, not, not this church, but you know the churches I was at previously. And I was like, you know what the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. So you need to come to church. You need to pay your tithes and offerings. You need to read your Bible. You need to pray. You need to come to the revival. You know, all the, this checklist. I, I thought that was the kingdom of God, but I completely ignored the next three words. And His righteousness. What is His righteousness? We just, that's what this whole message has been about. His righteousness is faith righteousness. Putting my faith in the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And then what happened? All these things should be added unto you. When we just remind ourselves, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When that's the truth we, we stand on, man, I'm telling you, it, it, you can't have faith in God for your health unless you first and foremost believe that He's made you right through the death, burial, and resurrection. Why? Because if your faith isn't in that, then your faith is in yourself to some degree. And so we struggle to receive the promises so many times because we're looking at us and our ability to do right, to be right, to, to avoid the wrong things. I got to shut up, man. Oh my gosh. It's just, this burns in me. This burns in my heart. And there, I lied. I'm not done with this, okay? We're, I'm picking this up here in a couple weeks. We need to have this established in our hearts. This is the power of God unto salvation. That word salvation, it's not just referring to the, your eternal destination. It's not just referring to the born-again experience. It starts there. But man, that word salvation, soteria, it's also your physical health. It's your soulish health. It's your mind, your will, your emotions. And listen, your emotions aren't bad. God wants them healthy too. God cares about your soul. He cares about your emotions. He cares about how you feel. And faith righteousness is the cure-all. Spirit, soul, and body. And I, man, oh my gosh, help me. Jesus, this, I pray that this has helped you in some way. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. Has this blessed you guys today? This, man, it was horrible for Jeremiah to schedule the taco bar on this day. I'd keep you. There was a lady last night at church. She got up to sing, and she was like, I would love to be here till 2. And I thought, lady, you better not say that in me preaching. You've never heard me preach. I, I'll take you till 2. You'll fall out the window like, Paul, like that boy listened to Paul. Um, let's go ahead and, uh, Dan, if you don't care, we'll go ahead and uh, take up the offering. Um. If you need to give an envelope, you can raise your hand. So guys, as we go through this week, you know the most practical thing I know, like I said, read the book of Romans, read the book of Galatians, and in our church chat, I'll share it again, but I, I put on there a document. I went through the New Testament epistles, and everywhere I did that, everywhere I seen righteousness, I put faith before it. Everywhere I seen faith, I put righteousness after and it's like six pages of just Scripture. And uh, I shared it in the church chat, and I'll share it on there again. Go over those verses. Renew your heart to this truth. Because just like Martin Luther said, 
We need the gospel every day because we forget it every day. So it's just, it's a powerful truth. We need it established in our heart. So, all right, guys. Father, we thank you for this offering. We bless each and every seed that is sown. In the name of Jesus, amen. So are we good to go with the food? Is the food ready or...